Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. So from Isaiah chapter 40, picking up at verse 11, we read, this is, this is about God here. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads the nursing ewes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with the span of his hand? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on a scale and the hills with a balance? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord or informed him as his counselor? Um, friends, these are days in, in which uh, normal is being redefined, um, not just day by day, but almost hour by hour. And yet the Lord our God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Um, God holds all of this in the hollow of his hand. And if you've never thought about that, I want you just to for just a moment, actually just like look at your hand, cup it as if you were going to hold some fluid in it, right? So cup your hand as if it were able to hold some amount of fluid. How much fluid do you think you're, you're, you could hold in the hollow of your hand? And how long do you think you could hold that fluid there without any of it escaping? So, um, it, it, I mean, I don't know how tightly you can squeeze your fingers together, but if I if I squeeze my fingers tightly together, I still have, I still have tiny little gaps down there at the very base of my finger where my finger is attached to the palm of my hand. And so water would invariably escape. I would only be able to hold just the, I don't know, I might be able to get a teaspoon, probably more like half a teaspoon in terms of something that I could hold in that hollow of my hand where it wouldn't leak out in those creases between my fingers. So I don't know, the hollow of my hand might be sufficient for mm, maybe a tablespoon. The hollow of God's hand is sufficient for everything, everything. He holds the oceans and the earth and everything in it. He holds the universe, the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies beyond our own. He holds them in the hollow of his hand. God is big enough to handle, literally handle, hold in his hand, handle the concerns of this day. God is sufficient. God is great and God is good. And so today, let us thank him. Let us praise him. Let us honor him. Let us glorify him. Let us magnify him. Let his wisdom be not only in our hearts and in our minds, but on our lips. Let the gospel go forth on this day from those who know the goodness and the greatness of God. Yes, a new reality is setting in for many people today as schools and offices and lots of other things are being, um, are being shut down. Um, there is going to be a new reality setting in, and there's going to be a reality check for a lot of people. Let us be people who are ready to step into those 
vacuums, not just vacuums of information, but vacuums of wisdom. People are going to be wondering how to make sense of not only all of this that's going on in the world, but sense of life itself. This is an opportunity for the gospel. And so let us put on those shoes of the gospel of peace that's talked about in Ephesians chapter 6, and let's be the people who are ready for this day, acknowledging that God is good and God is great, and he has it all literally in the hollow of his hand. Up next, Dr. Linda Mental and I are going to talk about how you and I can face the coronavirus without sort of the hair-on-fire panic of the culture. That's up next here on Morning Crew Carmen. Joining me now, Dr. Linda Mental, um, among other things. She is the host of the Dr. Linda Mental Show right here on the Faith Radio Network. You can also find her at drlindamental.com. Linda, welcome back. Hey, it's good to talk to you, Carmen. Okay, so you have a piece posted that um, is just a gift to all of us, and it's entitled, Yes, You Can Fear Not. Um, right. let's, uh, let's talk about the causes of fear and anxiety around us right now, but then let's talk about what we experience when we when we enter into fear and anxiety most of the time fear is prompted by some sense of danger right so it's a great protective mechanism that's in our body when there's danger we need to be aware of it we need to be on alert and the body goes into uh this freeze and flight and fight or either fight or flight kind of scenario but one of the things that happens in times of great uncertainty when we don't feel like we're in control for, for a lot of people, uh, they feel fearful because they don't know what the outcome is going to be. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They don't know what decisions would be the best decisions, how to handle the moment, all of those things. So fear can be something that comes on you. And sometimes it's hard to stop it. And because of, of those things I just said, but I think the important message with fear is that you can control that fear response. So while it might be a natural reaction to uh, uncertainty, bad news, something that feels out of your control, you do have control over it. and You can learn to calm it down. I think it's really important to acknowledge that it's one of the most repeated commands in the Bible. As I was writing that that blog, and we talked about this last weekend, this past weekend on the Dr. Linda Mental Show, we did we re-aired our show on From Fear to Faith. We're going to have a, a show on worry this weekend. We're going to also have another one on anxiety, helping people just give them practical tools to when you feel that feeling, which sometimes you can't control. How do you calm it down and how do you take control of it? Because God has given us the ability to do that, and that's what's going to be important. All right, so let's talk about some of those tools. Um, well, maybe we talk about what we're actually experiencing first. So when when I experience fear or anxiety, not that I'm necessarily letting it take control, right? So what am I right. doing to respond physically, well, physically, you're going to ramp up because your cortisol levels are going to be released. Adrenaline's going to pump. When fear hits you, uh, a physiological cascade is going to happen in your body. And it's it's hard to stop if you're not intentional about stopping it. First thing you have to realize, is there real danger in front of you? Uh, if there's not, then your body should calm down. The problem is that fear a lot of times takes us into anxiety 
And anxiety is that response of, well, what if? Well, you know, it's always future focused. What if this is going to happen? And in that future focus, what if, oh no, it's going to be bad. Something's going to happen. If you continue to think like that and hold on to those kinds of thoughts, you're going to keep that fear response active. And that anxiety is going to stay with you. And those stress hormones are going to continue to be released. And, and literally, it's going to do damage to your physical body if you hang on to that. So when God tells us multiple times not to fear in the Bible, he's not only caring about our spiritual lives, but he's also caring about our physical bodies and our emotional life at that moment because he doesn't want it to do damage to our bodies. And so what are some things that we can do? Can I actually teach myself um, to relax and calm down? I mean, is that something that can be learned and practiced? Yes, and it, it needs to be practiced. And we do this all the time whenever people are dealing with fears like phobias where they're afraid of something or an object or they're, they're in great anxiety. This is the very first thing that I always taught people in the therapy room was, okay, let's pay attention to your physical body. If your heart is palpitating, if your mind is racing, if you're getting sweaty, if you're seeing the signs of panic basically in your body, then be aware of that first of all and try to calm it down. And the way you do that is you take deep breaths because if you breathe deeply from your diaphragm and you do that very slowly, you take a, <sighs> if you do that with your body several times, it's an incompatible response to that, that tension and that panic that's going on. And it will keep your body, it'll slow down your breathing, it'll slow down the system, it'll stop that cascade. You can also at night or any other time, I mean, a lot of people are going to be by themselves now in an office at home or some other place, you find yourself starting to tense up. So pay attention to tense, tension that's creeping up in your body. Then do something that we call pre, uh, progressive muscle relaxation, where you take your, your fist and you clench it and you hold it for a few minutes and then you relax it. And you, you do it again and you relax it. And you do that with every muscle on your body. Uh, a lot of times I would teach patients to do this at night when they're having trouble sleeping because they're so tense and worked up by all the, the difficulties of the day. Just practice that tensing, relaxing. Sometimes it helps to get a music uh, tape. There's a lot of online resources where somebody can guide you through a beautiful scene. That's called guided imagery, where you 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 think of a beautiful place. Like for me, the beach is one of those places, and I'll I'll start thinking of the smells and the the sights and the sounds of the ocean wave and the beautiful sunlight and the crashing of the waves. That's gentle, and and you start to distract your mind. That kind of thing uh, can also calm you down. Ask Ken Carmen, the biggest calmer, when I was going through a very difficult time in my life and I couldn't sleep at night, I would just say the name of Jesus over and over and I would meditate on him and think about who he is and his name. And there's power in that name. We sing that song. There's power in the name of Jesus. And it's true. And he will calm you down even by his name. So there's a lot of good techniques that you can use to calm your physical body down. All right, when we come back, um, Linda, let's talk about not letting fear take over my mind, right? Let's talk about fearful thoughts. Um, I'm talking with Dr. Linda Mental. We are talking about a piece she has posted at the doc at drlindamental.com. You can also hear her on the Dr. Linda Mental show here on the Faith Radio Network. The article is called, Yes, You Can Fear Not. We'll be right back. Rising. 
Continuing my conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, you can find the resources that we are discussing today at drlindamental.com. Uh, you should also check out the Dr. Linda Mental Show. She is in a series of programs related to fear and worry and anxiety, all designed to um, help each and all of us cope in a spiritually, physically, and relationally healthy way in these times of uncertainty and constant change. Um, Linda, let's talk about how I deal with fear um, or how I deal with fearful thoughts specifically. Like, are there some techniques related to that? Yes, there are. And it real, we're going to get real prescriptive with this. Uh, first thing I want to say, though, is when you're fearful and you feel anxious, the worst thing you can do is try to go medicate that anxiety. Mm. So it's very tempting for people to medicate with alcohol or a drug or pornography or something that will take them away for the moment and escape. But those are very unhealthy habits and they're very destructive if you do that. So the biggest thing you have to understand when I, when I deal with anyone with anxiety, we talk about facing the fear, facing the anxiety, going through it, because the treatment for anxiety is to be exposed to it and to go through it and see that you can master that anxious thought. Now, we're going to get real prescriptive with how we take a thought captive, because that is what this is all about. The worst thing you can do is try to say to yourself, don't think that, don't think that, I can't think that, don't think, you know, and you just keep ruminating about pushing it away, pushing it away. You don't want to push it away. You want to acknowledge that the thought is there, and you want to say, okay, yes, I'm afraid, God, I'm afraid. Right now I feel fear but you are going to get me through this. So notice I'm tacking on, yes, I am, but you're going to get me through this. And the way you take a, a, a thought captive is you acknowledge that thought and you replace it with something that is more true or more rational. So we've got lots of truths in, in scripture about how God is with us. He's a present help in time of trouble. He's our provider. He's my refuge. I was reading that last night, Psalm 91, reading that over and over. I was just reading in Isaiah. I'm in Isaiah in my regular Bible reading. And there's a passage in seven. You were way behind, you were way ahead of me when you were giving yours this morning. But it's a it's a problem with a king and a battle. And the and there's a messenger that says, Give him this message. Stay calm. Be quiet, guard your heart, don't panic, or don't be discouraged. And I went, whoa, right there in Isaiah 7. So when you have that fearful thought, you say, yes, I'm afraid, but God, you have not given me a spirit of fear. You know, you, you, you start to replace it with something that is in the scripture, that is positive, that is true, that is hopeful about who God is, and you can find that thought. You don't allow that thought to worry, to go morph into worry, to worry into anxious waters. So I like to have people think of it like being in prison. When you're in prison, you're confined. You can't wander and go to other places. That's what taking a thought captive is about. You're captivating that thought. You're confining it. You're saying, I'm going to put the truth of God's word in that thought, and I'm not going to allow it to go into anxiety. Because again, anxiety is the what ifs, it's the future focus. It's the, it's the worry and concern. Worry is the mental part of anxiety, and it's allowing your mind to go into catastrophic thinking, and we absolutely cannot do that because that is not going to be helpful. That is going to make you feel anxious, and you can prevent it by monitoring your thoughts, taking them captive, and replacing them with God's truth. For those of you who are thinking to yourself, I know there's a scripture verse related to that. It is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So that's 2 Corinthians 10.5. Um, Linda, let's, um, let's move ahead and let's talk about, um, well, we could do the specifics of Psalm 46, which is so great, but I think I'm just going to send people to drlindamental.com, have them get the article, Yes, You Can Fear Not, to get those uh, seven things out of Psalm 46. But let's talk about what we can do spiritually to um, combat fear. I think the most important thing is to continuously renew your mind with the Word of God. I mean, Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. I'm reminded when I read that scripture, God is with me. And you you talked about that this morning. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. You talked about how God holds everything in the palm of his hand, Carmen. That's right. We serve a very big, a very powerful God. None of this is a surprise to him. And that's that scripture alone in Psalm 4110 says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you. And that's what you said in my righteous right hand. So when we renew our mind with that, when we worship, when we focus our mind, and this is medica- meditating on the Lord, it's distracting your mind away from problems and anxiety. It's not putting your head in the sand, but it's meditating on the very person of of God. And he is more powerful than anything we're ever going to face. And I think it also helps to to just pray and to, you know, take that Psalm 91 and say to God, you are my refuge. And, you know, acknowledge that God is a strong tower. And when we run into that tower, we are safe. And I'm asking the God for God for protection. I'm declaring his word over my life. And I'm taking those thoughts captive and thinking on things that are positive, which is what he says. Think on the good things. Think on the positive things. Think on the blessings of God. All of that drives out fear and puts us in the place where we understand that God is in control and he is our present help in this time of trouble. Okay, so uh, we're going to conclude our conversation with my suggesting that maybe we get a meditating, not medicating post. Yes, that's good. (laughs) Right? Right? Really good. Um, Got to avoid that. That is what the world is going to do. I saw a guy in the in the grocery store the other day had a fifth of whiskey, and I said, "What are you mm-hmm. doing?" He said, "I'm going home. I'm hunkering down, and I'm going to zone out. Not the mm-hmm. approach. No, no, not the approach. All right. Hey, let us continue to be uh, positive witnesses to the culture in the midst of all of this, and care for ourselves um, as well, in order that we might care well for others. Doctor Linda Mental, thank you as always. Um, for helping us see these things through the eyes of faith. You guys can check the piece out that we discussed today at drlindamental.com and be sure to uh, catch the show or the podcast uh, of the Dr. Linda Mental Show right here on My Faith Radio. We'll be right back. All right, it does occur to me if you're going to go see I Am Patrick as a Fathom event, you might want to buy the seats in front, uh, behind, and beside you, right? If we're going to have practice healthy social distancing. I know. I want people to see the film, but I want people to be safe. Okay, so uh, next up, I've got Dr. David Aikman. Um, We could talk about Ireland. Uh, That really wasn't on my list today, but tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, so it might come up. We are going to talk about uh, the rest of the world in relationship to the coronavirus. Since much of our attention to this point has been focused 
here at home. And we're going to hit some of the international headlines not related to the coronavirus. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Licato. Only one word describes the night that Jesus came, ordinary. No reason to expect a surprise. An ordinary night with ordinary sheep and ordinary shepherds. And were it not for a God who loves to hook an extra on the front of the ordinary, the night would have gone unnoticed. But God dances amid the common, and that night he did a waltz. The black sky exploded with brightness. Trees that had been shadows jumped into clarity. Sheep that had been silent became a chorus of curiosity. One minute the shepherd was dead asleep, the next he was rubbing his eyes and staring into the face of an angel who declared, There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The night was ordinary no more. God had entered the world as a baby. My name is Bond, James Bond. Joining me now, Dr. David Aikman, editor of Godspeed magazine from Ireland. Joining me from Ireland, right? That's right, Carmen. Yep, that's where I am. So I feel like um, it's just only right and appropriate to wish you um, happy St. Patrick's Day Eve. Thank you. That's very thoughtful. In fact, most of the activities in uh, banqueting places and other locations where the ceremonies take place in Dublin have been bad. So there won't be the usual festivities. Well, there will not be the usual festivities uh, here either related to many, many things. Um, I thought, David, maybe maybe because we have been focused so intensely here, at least for uh, the last few days, on what is happening in the United States of America, there are at least some listeners who have probably lost track of what is happening around the globe. Give us your sense of maybe the most important indicators or trends in Europe, uh, in the Middle East, around the world related to the the coronavirus? Well, first of all, the most seriously affected country in Europe is Italy, followed by Spain. But all of the European countries have been drastically affected by the curtailment of normal trade across borders, normal trade within the countries. The, the British economy is really facing a sort of potential nosedive, as many of the other countries of Europe are facing, including the EU itself. And nobody really has a clue how long it will go on. It's quite disturbing. Yeah, I think it's the unknown related to the length of time that, uh, I, for many, many people, is is one of the greatest challenges. I mean, obviously, the virus itself is of, is of concern, the treatment of individuals with the virus, the shortage potentially of hospital beds and respirators. All of these things are of concern to us. But um, I think that for many, many people, it's the duration question. It's the question of how long this is going to go on, um, because that is the, the ultimate economic factor in all of this, is the length of time. Right, exactly. And uh, people don't know whether you can actually get it again um, if you've had it once. Uh, maybe you can, maybe you can't. It's not clear at all. So, uh, 
Okay, so now see that's an interesting um, that's an interesting point that I have not heard raised uh, yet, and maybe that's because we don't have enough people who have successfully recovered from the virus to then have the opportunity to potentially uh, have a second you know have a second bout. But that's really the question you're you're posing here and lifting up, and that is a good one to be adding to our our list of of considerations going forward. Absolutely correct, and of course, people are now learning, if they didn't learn already, about the um, the Asian flu uh, virus that afflicted Europe and the United States in uh, 1918 and killed about 50 million people. So uh, uh, it's quite a serious issue trying to find out how, what you can compare this virus to and how, what the similarities are, what the possible cures are. Nobody knows what they are either. So in the midst of all of this, we have countries like, uh, like Iran, um, and we, we have ongoing conflict with Iran, three American troops wounded in uh, a rocket attack, um, and then U.S. retaliation and then potentially Iranian or at least their proxies retaliating. And yet in the midst of all of this, Iran has not only a worsening outbreak, but a real strain on its infrastructure related to this. Talk talk, talk with us a little bit about Iran today. Well, the, the challenge of Iran is related to the way that the government works. The um, inability to really tell the truth about important stuff. And uh, that has obscured the situation, the reality of what's going on. So that's quite serious. Um, I think one of the problems is that Iran has difficulty in its uh, medical abilities at the grassroots and that has caused serious uh, serious difficulties for the whole hospital system. And, of course, even in Iran, you probably got similar challenges to what the UK has. Namely, they don't have enough respirators, uh, respiratory systems, in the hospitals to... Uh, actually cope with the influx of people who need help breathing. So it's quite quite a difficult challenge. So this gets us, um, you know, back to the conversation about why, if we are in countries where we can, why we are encouraging social distancing, why we are encouraging people to stay home, why we are encouraging you to not do anything that is non-essential, um, because what we're trying to do is flatten the curve. We're trying to stretch this out in such a way that um, our healthcare systems, both here in the United States and in other places around the world, are not overwhelmed. Because each and every every country is going to face this capacity challenge uh, that we are going to reach a point where all of our ability to respond medically is at capacity, and so. Uh, whatever we can do as individuals and families and businesses and churches to stretch this out, to flatten the curve, that's what we want to be doing as uh, responsible citizens of not only the nation but the world. David, do you want to add anything to that? 
No, I think that's true. And the, the British government has focused on delaying the peak, as it were. De- delaying the peak, we, we're calling that uh, flattening the curve. I think here in the United States, as testing becomes more widely available, David, one of the things that we are absolutely expecting to see is a spike in acknowledged or identified cases simply because so many of them have gone under the radar for a period of time because we have not been uh, doing really wide-scale testing here in the United States. But that is about to really ramp up this week. Well, I hope it is because a lot of the criticism coming from European media of the U.S. is the fact that it appeared at first that President Trump was not taking the threat very seriously and the U.S. was not fully prepared to deal with the kind of escalation of the infection that was anticipated everywhere else. So um, there's been a lot of curiosity at how the United States is going to be able to cope, especially with the fact that so many people don't have health insurance. Well, to uh, to assuage your concern, uh, coronavirus testing is now going to be absolutely free here in the United States, and we are ramping up for that testing to be available um, at what's called point of delivery. My guess is, and I'm going to make a guess here, and we're going to talk. We'll be talking about the parking lots of Walmart and Walgreens across, or Walgreens clinics, and then a parking lot uh, facility set up by FEMA across the country here in the United States. I think we're going to see those start to roll out today um, based on what we heard last night from the National Coronavirus Task Force. So we are going to see um, commercial labs, including uh, Quest, and uh, well, they've already approved the, the, the test by Roche and another uh, company to be distributed widely. So I do think we are going to see um, a, a really uh, ramped up testing here in the United States obviously still centered on those who are most vulnerable and those who are symptomatic. So we're not yet at the stage where just anybody and everybody who wants a test can go get one, but everybody who needs a test will will have one and the results will be forthcoming uh, much, much, much more quickly. Um, hey, David, you and I need to take a quick break. When we come back, let's uh, let's pivot our conversation a little bit. Let's talk about what's going on in China uh, and then and right. then this whole Russia, Saudi oil business. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Dr. David Aikman, editor of Godspeed magazine. Um, David, let's uh, let's turn our attention and our eye toward China. Right. Okay, that's a good topic, always something I'm very interested in, so go ahead. <laughs> All right, so um, China, where this coronavirus originated, um, now thinks... Um, that the blame should be shifted elsewhere, or there should be some blame, and it shouldn't be on them. That's an interesting uh, story we might talk about. Um, what What is the conspiracy theory being pushed? Well, first of all, the Chinese are responding or reacting, I would say, to the naming of this virus as a Wuhan virus or the China virus. And actually, there is quite a serious concern that some people who are who look like Chinese, one of the sons of one of my carers in this place where I live, 
said that he had been bullied by someone in school. The son is Filipino, and so he looks Chinese in some ways. And he was bullied by a person, uh, an older boy, who said, why don't you go back to China? You brought the virus to Ireland, mm. which is mm. ridiculous. But I think there's some concern about that, which is a leg legitimate concern on the part of the Chinese authorities. But the Communist Party has turned a reaction to this criticism of China's handling of the virus into a full-scale propaganda assault on the United States. I mean, absolutely ridiculous, claiming without the slightest evidence that American participants in the military sports games, international sports games in Wuhan in the month of November, planted a virus in the city. I mean, this is so outrageous. It goes back to the worst days of the Cold War with the Soviet Union and their fabrication. All right. So um, I don't I don't know how surprising really any of this is to me. Blame shifting has been going on since literally the Garden of Eden. Um, you know, you, you know, you ate the apple. Well, she gave it to me. Well, the snake told me to. I mean, you know, so blame blame shifting in times of of real stress. Um, maybe we as Christians should not find all that surprising. Um, I'm interested, David, in. Um, so if in November is really when we think timeline wise, we're tracing the emergence of this coronavirus. Uh, we're, we're that's the timeline. And so if we were just to project forward, we're now seeing in China um, a real reduction in the number of new cases. So does it, it, does it seem to you, it seems to me as if, um, you know, we're talking about five months maybe for this to kind of run the equivalent of its course in a country? Yes, that's, I think, a fairly good calculus, uh, Carmen, although whether we really got going in November or December, it's unclear at this moment. But four or five months would be, I think, a reasonable assumption. But what you don't know is what the, the English media call the knock-on effects. That is the effect uncalculated on the economy as a whole, where people are not, be go not going to go to work, they're not being able to pay bills, the whole economy is taking a savage lurch uh, downhill while we all try to recover from this virus. So whether that allows or leads to an extension of the real period of the virus, I don't know, but it probably will add a few months to it. Yeah, in terms of uh, economic recovery, we're talking about something uh, certainly beyond that period of time. Um, all right, David, let's talk about what's going on with this uh, Russia, Saudi, Saudi Arabia oil um, war. I'm going to use the word war. I will tell you that yesterday uh, here in the southern part of the United States of America, we bought gas for uh, uh, less than $1.80 a gallon. Right. Well, I mean, the United States is now the primary producer of petroleum, of refined petroleum and natural gas in the world. So the American national situation is much less vulnerable than it was, say, 
20 years ago. But what is going on now is a big struggle between uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia over the the price of uh, petroleum. Uh, The Saudis want to reduce the price to make, you know, to improve the situation of importing uh, petroleum importing companies, countries around the world. The Russians don't want to do that because they're absolutely dependent on petroleum being at a high price for their own economy. So this struggle would probably go on for quite a while before it's resolved. Well, we look forward to you keeping track of that for us so that we can pay attention to, you know, ah, things we're going to manage today, like uh, all of our kids being out of school and lots of people who are not used to working from home having the opportunity to do so. So appreciate your prayers today as we enter this uh, new phase and season of our coronavirus uh, mitigation here in the United States of America. We'll be praying for you. Uh, We trust you'll be praying for us as well. Thank you, Carmen. And just tell people to pray Psalm 91, which is what I'm telling everybody in this place I live. Amen. We will pray Psalm 91 with you. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right, so speaking of Psalm 91 and praying us out with Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up on their uh, on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let us be mindful today uh, to be people who pray in this way, trusting God to be God. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He holds all these things in the very hollow of your of his hand, and on his hand, your name is written, engraved, in fact. And so just know that you can rest today in him, resist the temptation to fear the things of this world, and instead, let us in wisdom fear the Lord our God. Let us be people who lead with awe today. Because our God is an awesome God. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.